Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Amazon has everything for back to school. Zebra lunchbox? Check. Cool Adidas gear like t-shirts, shoes, and backpacks? Check. Triceratops folders and pencils? Check. Lasercat t-shirts? Check. Get your back-to-school shopping done now at Amazon.com slash back-to-school and enjoy free shipping on millions of items. No need to leave your home or hassle with crowds. Amazon.com. No better place to get everything back to school from A to Z. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Wednesday edition of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Excited once again to introduce another new segment for you. It's going to be Scout versus Scout. So Kyle and I are going to debate some things later on in the show. Kyle, welcome to the show. Yeah, it's almost like we have like new concepts for every day at this point. It's a trend. It Doesn't looks. it feel that it way? It does feel that way. And you need, what, you need three data points to have a trend line, right? Well, then we're here. So we are officially into trend territory with new show concepts every single day. And uh, tease, it'll continue. We got stuff planned for Thursday, Friday. And just wait till you see what happens on Fridays. It's going to be very... Um, there's going to be a lot of lit. variety. We'll say that. It'll be it's fun. It's going to be very lit. Very, very lit. Kyle, uh, let's dig into the news of the day to start off our show. There was a big extension, a lot of money handed out to Mr. Stephon Diggs, the wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. He signs a five-year, $80 million contract with $40 million guaranteed. He's 24 years old, and uh, you know I think he's got a lot of value to this offense. Now, there's two interesting things to keep in mind with on Mr. Diggs here. First of all, he's never played 16 games in a season. So uh, you just guess, I guess you just have to live with that. He's probably going to miss a couple games every single year. And that's a lot of money to shell out for a guy that's really never uh, crossed that thousand yard mark. But, you know, I'm not sure that uh, he's been, you know, the production that doesn't worry me because you look at the skill set, you know what he's capable of. And, um, you know, it's a lot of money. It's in it's in the upper tier of, of receivers, but that's what they're paying these guys these days. So um, I think it's a good good move to keep their nucleus together. But Minnesota is really just shelling out the money. You think about it, you know, between Thielen, Diggs, 
Hunter, Kendricks, Rhodes, Kirk Cousins, Everson Griffin, Linval Joseph, Riley Reef, Harrison Smith, Dalvin Cook, all of those guys are signed through the 2020 season, and there's some big dollars committed to those guys. So I'm not sure how they're going to continue to, to keep guys signed underneath the cap uh, as they continue this trend of spending money, but it speaks to the talent that Rick Spielman's been able to assemble, and they're doing a great job of keeping their own guys. Joe, what, what are the guys in Minnesota doing right now? Building from within. No, 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 no. The guys, the players, they're hashtag oh, what? Oh, they're uh, keeping the no, – no, they're they're snagging the bag. <laughs> they're... Oh, oh, that's a sound clip right there, buddy. I hate to be what, the very bad news. What are they uh, – they're grabbing the bag. Grab... They're securing the bag. Secure, securing the bag. Securing the bag. That's what Minnesota folks are doing these days. And Yeah, I mean, Diggs is worth it. Uh, obviously a very rich contract, but uh, Diggs is a really, really dynamic player, and having a route technician like Adam Thielen next to him uh, on the other side of the line of scrimmage, just just really, I think those guys complement each other so well. I think that's one of the things that really stands out uh, about that wide receiver pairing, and uh, uh, Diggs as the big play guy, you know, he was a really highly regarded kid coming out of high school, and uh, struggled at Maryland, and that's that's kind of the, the byproduct of why he ended up slipping in the draft a bit. But it's been great to see him get his career on track and really reach his full potential and interested to see what it looks like this year with Kirk Cousins. But, uh, yeah, Stephon Diggs, the latest Viking to hashtag secure the bag, Joe. Secure the bag. Kyle, there's a guy that is not securing the bag. Now, he's going to secure the bag, but not yet. And I'm talking about Khalil Mack, the Oakland Raiders, tremendous defensive player. Um, his contract expires at the end of the season. He's holding out for a new deal. And there's some problems here because uh, it came out yesterday that the Raiders have not spoken to Khalil Mack since February regarding his contract status. And John Gruden, 10 years, $100 million coach, has not spoken to Khalil Mack at all. And so we're talking about a guy that's been in the league for four seasons, 40 and a half sacks across those seasons, three-time Pro Bowler. Uh, he's a, three, a uh, first-team All-Pro in 2015-2016, the, the NFL Defensive Player of the Year in 2016. This guy is as, as dominant of a defensive player as you will see in the NFL, and there's no dialogue between the Raiders and him. Now, I know that John Gruden wants to bring every – good player from seven, eight, nine years ago onto this team. But there's a pretty damn good one that's in his prime right now that deserves the richest contract ever handed out to a defensive player in the history of the NFL, and they haven't spoken. Kyle, what do you make of this? This is insanity. This is this is not what you should be doing with this situation. Khalil Mack is such a talented football player. He's well-rounded. He's, he's extremely powerful. Uh, he's an effective pass rusher. No, he's not uh, the, the rare athletic traits pass rusher and high-speed corner guy that maybe like a Von Miller is, but who cares? The production is there. The, this is a guy that's never in the news for the wrong reasons. Uh, he's young. He's been extremely productive. <sighs> Give the man the money, you know, because if you look at Oakland – and, and the defensive depth chart that they have, you can't afford to let a guy that you've drafted 
walk away like this. You know, anytime you get a pass rush of this caliber, look at what the Giants spent a couple years ago for Olivier Vernon. You're going to pay through the nose for an elite football player. But if you have elite football players, it's almost, almost always in your best interest to keep those elite football players. Uh, Steve Weish is reporting that he's looking for an excess of uh, $65 million guaranteed. I think that's fine. Here's the silver lining in the whole thing, Kyle, is that this sets up perfectly. His return to Buffalo in 2019, Khalil Mack coming back home. I had dreams. Look, I wanted Stephon Diggs, all right? So that's why I was a little bitter in my monologue on Diggs. I'm happy for him. He deserves that. But I was hoping he was going to be the Buffalo Bills' number one wide receiver in 2019. And so now all my focus is on Khalil Mack. So stay out, stay, stay away as long as you want, Khalil. Come back home next year. You would think being a Bills fan would be disappointment enough. Look, but then you got to cook up pipe dreams like this. Yeah, yeah, it's, here we are, Kyle. You know, look, I think the – You guys going to trade for Tom Brady this offseason too? No, we did, we, no, no. That, that's come, – come on, Kyle. I'm not that <laughs> far-fetched here with my idea here. It would be uh, be quite the storyline for Khalil to be the prodigal son that returns to Buffalo. And uh, Buffalo's going to have some cap, right? Oh, they got all kinds of money. Not an issue. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, Joe, real quick, uh, I have two breaking news headlines. Uh, there, There's another holdout taking place. Uh, Roquan Smith still has not signed with the Chicago Bears. He is the only holdout in the first round yet. And uh, Matt Nagy said yesterday that they were in a quote-unquote standstill based on some offset language. Uh, I believe this this stemming from uh, some of the helmet rules and uh, what the implications of of any uh, ejections or penalties or or what have you would be uh, financially for Roquan Smith. Uh, Joe, how long does this go before it becomes a real problem for Roquan in Chicago? Well, it's, it's funny because the, the Bears play uh, the Hall of Fame game on Thursday night. And so this is going to be right in the limelight even more so than it already is. And I, I don't know what the big deal is, right? So there's been 255 players drafted and 254 of them were able to get a deal done with this language in mind, with whatever the holdup is in mind. And so, look, you're, you're the exception here, Roquan and company. And, um, you know, it's, it's something that is disappointing to me because I want to see these young guys in camp and getting the reps that they need to be ready to produce, especially a guy with talent like Roquan Smith. And so with the way that the, uh, the new CBA has come along and whatnot, the, this stuff shouldn't really be a thing, right? But it seems like every year there's like one guy, like that Joey Bosa situation. Like what the hell took that so long to get – to get that deal done. And so I like to see this get done sooner than late rather than later. And uh, I just don't know what the problem is, given that there's been 254 other guys that was able to get a deal done. Yeah. I I ultimately don't think it's going to be a problem because as you alluded to with, with Joey Bosa, uh, this is a really good football player. He'll be fine. He'll settle in just fine. Uh, Joe, my other piece of breaking news, uh, it is the top of the sixth inning as we record this podcast on uh, Tuesday night, and no. the New York Mets are losing 19 to nothing in the top of the sixth. Can I have your reaction? I um, man, you, you dog. Um, 
<laughs> so I came out of the gate hot with baseball, man. The Mets, what were they, like 13-1? and one? I was going to be all excited about baseball. It was going to be an enjoyable part of my life. But uh, I quickly saw the Mets lose a gazillion games in a row, and my ba- interest in baseball has truly diminished, especially with the Atlanta Braves in first place in the NL East. And so um, I, I, I was aware of that as we sit here and record this podcast. And I was not expecting you to bring it up, but um, uh, my my uh, I, I'm emotionally detached right now from baseball, so I'm good. I just want to remind you: you told me the Mets had a very important game the third week in April, and we had to adjust our recording schedule based around that baseball game. Was that an important game for the Mets? Um, you know, Kyle, I think you've brought this up now. I think this is the 45th time since then that I've yeah one one for every loss the Mets have had since. Yeah, well, yeah. Not great. Not great for the New York Mets. <laughs> okay, real quick. Johnny Football starting Manziel revenge game against the Hamilton Tiger Cats is on for Friday night. Put it on your calendars, Joe. I've got no analysis here, but I'm hyped for Manziel to come out with the Owls and torch the Tiger Cats secondary. Ready for it. We got football. We got the Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame game Thursday night and Johnny Manziel. On Friday night. Sounds like a good way to get us through the next couple days until we get football nearly every day. So, scout versus scout. This is the show concept we're going to come up with uh, on a weekly basis, and Joe and I as football scouts, we're going to be debating various topics. Maybe not always football topics, but uh, one of the things that... It'll never be political, I promise. No. Oh, (laughs) hell no. But uh, one of the great dynamics between Joe and I is we're close enough and we're comfortable enough that we can swing on each other a little bit and have some friendly debate and some sparring. And we're going to try and take advantage of that and bring that to the table on Draft Dudes. So what Joe and I are going to be discussing on today's inaugural segment of Scout versus Scout is inside versus outside pass rush, the merits of each and which one you'd rather have. Joe, the floor is yours for an opening statement. Well, I'll say this, Kyle. Um, I think it's really important that you know this Joe Marino fun fact that perhaps you didn't before we get into this conversation. Way back in 2004, when the young Joe Marino was a senior in high school, he was on his school debate team, and he won the Union County, North Carolina debate tournament. So that's what you're up against. You just need to know that. And it's time for me to get into my opening statement. I am on the side of the fence here where I believe, man, this is tough. So, like, I don't want anyone to think I don't value outside pass rush. But if you give me the choice, I want the interior pass rush. And so I think that pressure right in the face of the quarterback is so important. It's the shortest path. And – um if you can get a guy that can consistently, you know, work into the backfield, shoot gaps, penetrate, get get those offensive linemen into the into the toes of that quarterback, you're going to have a lot of problems. I mean, the quarterback needs to be able to stare down the defense there, and, and, and with somebody in his face, I just think it's really impactful. And so when you think about the outside pressure, it's, you know, look, it's very dynamic, especially if you can get a blindside pass rush, and, you know, certainly the quarterback can't even see it. But uh, you see so much, even going back to Khalil Mack, if you watch a lot of his tape, the offenses pay so much attention to him 
And, uh, you know, there's no complimentary rush from the other side. That quarterback just escapes the pocket that way every single time. And so when you have pressure in the face, now, yeah, you can flee left or right, but sometimes it happens so quick that they don't really have that opportunity because they're trying to survey the field. So I think that uh, just – it just goes back to getting that pressure in the face of the quarterback and uh, and how that impacts their vision and ability to get throws off. I think that it does more for me in terms of an outside pass rush. So, Joe, I think we can both agree here that pass rush is paramount, regardless of where it comes from, correct? Right. right. Okay, so I wanted to make sure that we establish our friendly relationship. Before I ask you, if inside pass rush – is so effective, then why are only three of the top 20 sack getters last year guys that are playing on the inside? Do I have a che- Do you want me to answer that question? I mean, it's, it's a hypothetical at this juncture. I just wanted to let it hang for the sake of suspense. Okay, because I've got a great uh, answer for it. One of the key parts of outside pass rush that you mentioned, which I think makes it so valuable, is the fact that It is an area of the field where the quarterback cannot see or feel the pass rusher coming. So uh, I I think if you really assess outside pass rush, you look at what these caliber of athletes can do. You think about these guys getting in a lot more one-on-one situations, and I think that's the key here. That's kind of where I'm going to put my flag in the ground and say I can get my athlete my superbly long, dynamic athlete in a one-on-one situation in an isolated pass protection scheme with the opportunity for him to defeat his man and the quarterback either see it in his peripheral vision or not see it at all is what makes outside pass rush so valuable because if you win up front, you're still going to disrupt the play, absolutely. But are you going to have as many opportunities for those splash plays that outside pass rush wins can give you? I'm not sure that you can. That's a good point, Kyle. Um, I would uh, I'd like to go to your question there. The reason why, what, three of the top 20 were interior guys is because I think it's rare. I, I think you just don't find guys that are able to win as interior pass rushers that often. And so, you know, you got guys like Aaron Donald and, and Adamakong Sue, Geno Atkins. Kawan Short, these guys that can get that consistent pressure on the interior, it's just it's much more at a premium because those guys, it's hard to find defensive tackles that are really balanced and give you the ability to stop the run and get after the passer. So I think that you know it puts places a premium on that, and, and it's really important. And also it goes back to the point that we've both made now. The quarterback literally just can't see a lot of times that outside pass rush, and so therefore you have this this link to the reasoning why uh, they're, they're more productive outside. And the question I want to pose back to you for this is, all right, would you rather have, you know, uh, Jags, just regular, ordinary defensive ends that are pretty good football players, worthy NFL starters, but not guys that are going to be, you know, challenged for seven-plus sacks a year and have an interior duo of Geno Atkins and Aaron Donald or k Short and Aaron Donald, something like that. Or would you rather have Von Miller and Khalil Mack and a couple of Jags on the interior? I mean, are we talking all around or are we talking on passing downs? Because passing. I think that that's on passing downs. So yeah, I want the outside guys. I want that speed on the outside. 
that speed to power, you know, you've got more space to convert speed to power outside. That gives another element of pass rushing that I think a lot of these top-tier guys, guys like uh, Calais Campbell, Demarcus Lawrence, uh, Joey Bosa, Ryan Kerrigan, uh, these guys, in if they have the extra space to work, they're going to be able to collapse offensive tackles. They're going to be able to soften those rush angles. Where your elite pass rushers on the inside, you're going to have to either win with a lot of leg drive or you're going to have to force a missed punch right off the chute. And I think you've got more avenues for success on the outside. So that's why I would still side with outside rushers, even though the pairing of Geno Atkins and Aaron Donald sounds like it would just be the best experience of my life. I hear that. Um, one, one kind of final thought here, and not that this is very much a debate-like statement, but I think the key thing with pressure in general is that it has to come from more than one direction. You can't just have one guy getting pressure because, you know, any quarterback that's worth their salt will be able to step up and manipulate the pocket. And, and uh, you, you know, you really just need it coming from the other edge or up the middle. So that way that quarterback's kind of stuck. So many times you see – I've seen it with for years and years with Jerry Hughes or, you know, what you see with Khalil Mack, like I was talking about earlier, where these guys are getting pressure, but there's somewhere for the quarterback to go. If you can get that complimentary pressure – I think that's really where you start to see a successful pass rush that turns into, you know, pressures and sacks and the turnovers and all the things that you hope happens as a result of the pass rush. Absolutely. And the best case scenario, the best end result, right, is that you get an inside push and you get an outside pressure that's going to force that quarterback to step right up into the lap of an interior guy. So if, if I really had to take my pick, I would probably pick one outside and one inside. Now that this debate has kind of its water under the bridge, we'll put it behind us. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course, yeah. It, it, if you have to get it in only two ways, that's that's my choice as well. Give me, give me one of each. Best of both worlds, right? It's like that little girl. Why not both? <laughs> Do you know, you know the meme I'm talking oh, about? Oh, God, no. You know I don't know that. Joe, that ain't no problem. Yeah. That ain't no problem. That's three in a row. Kyle got the that that Shannon Sharp moment in on three. That ain't no problem. Because yeah. we're talking summer loving. Summer fling here on the dudes to bring us home to end today's show. Uh, we're back on the offensive side of the football. We're talking crushes at the running back position. Joe, the floor is yours. Kick us off. Give us a good name here. Somebody exciting for the folks to watch at home. Yeah, the fa- my favorite running back that I've gotten a chance to to look at this summer has been Miami running back Travis Homer. And uh, man, when when Mark Walton went down last season with that injury, you got really nervous about this Hurricanes rushing attack. But all all Homer did was come in and rush the ball 163 times for 966 yards, average of six per carry and eight touchdowns and. I think this is the best draft eligible running back in the ACC. He's he's a blend of all the things that you really look for in a back. He's got the speed. He's got elusiveness. He sees the field well. He's got power. He can catch the football. He's got those uh, the ability to separate as a route runner. Um, he he can make people miss in space and he can run you over. And 
And uh, he's just dynamic pretty much in, in every aspect. And, you know, when I think about my concerns with him, it's that he's 5'11", 200, and this is a guy that loves to stick his shoulder pad into the chest of a, of a tackler and run him over. He's not a guy that you're going to see going out of bounds ever, and, and he just thrives on, you know, that, that contact, and he loves it. And I love that in a running back. But you worry about a guy that's not necessarily built for that type of, uh, of a style for that to be sustainable. Um, he's a guy that really just grinds for every inch, and I just love to see that competitiveness out of my running backs. You know, he's, he's wiggling out of tackles. He's keeping those feet churning. And, uh, you know, there's just no inch that he's willing to concede uh, when he has an opportunity to stay balanced. And he is very balanced and sustains his, his momentum through contact very, very well. So, you know, I think that uh, Homer has the upside of a feature back in the NFL. And, uh, you know, it was unfortunate to see Mark Walton go down last year, but it really set the stage for Homer to take advantage. And, and he really did. And so I expect him to have a very big season in 2018 and, uh, and probably declare for the draft and be a relatively high pick. So my crush plays for the Michigan Wolverines, who in my summer reviews, I would just like to reiterate, had the sorriest passing offense I've watched last year. Uh, They had three separate quarterbacks start, and not a single one of those quarterbacks managed to eclipse 1,000 yards passing. The team's leading receiver had less than 300 receiving yards on the year. So when you put it in that context, and then you think, that Michigan's Karan Higdon, number 22, had over 1,000 yards rushing, but after minus yardage on negative runs, finished the season six yards short of 1,000 yards. That is a miracle. And when you watch Higdon play, it's really clear to see this is an explosive athlete with the ball in his hands. I really, really like his ability to go from 0 to 100. I like as he's getting up into the second level, he will put on the Jets and he will separate from guys in pursuit, break pursuit angles really, really well. Uh, he runs violent. He runs angry. Now, he's not overly big. He's, he's right around 5'11", uh, 200 pounds. And his cut is pretty lean. He doesn't carry a notable amount of that weight below the waist. He's almost built like what Wayne Gallman was like coming out, uh, where where it's you find out how much he weighs, and it's like, where? Where does he put that weight? That's kind of the same way that Karan Higdon's built. Uh, he's not like you know Ty Johnson in the Big Ten uh, from Maryland, who's about the same weight. I think he weighs five pounds more, but he's just super slapped on below the waist. Uh, That's not the way that Higdon is built. But uh, when you watch him in tight spaces and you see him grind out yardage and you you see him explode for some explosive chunk plays and getting to the sideline, uh, I really liked what I saw. Now, the question for Higdon coming into the year is he's going to be in a tackle or a, a carry share situation with uh, Chris Evans, the other running back there at Michigan, and uh, they were, weren't were quite 50-50 with this split, but they were pretty close. So it's good news that Higdon doesn't have a ton of miles on his legs, but it's going to be a question for him unless he shows up and is bulked up a little bit. There's going to be some questions around, okay, is this guy capable of being a feature back at the next level? But he shows a lot of traits that says he can be an extremely productive runner with the football. Kyle, what's the outlook for this Michigan offensive line 
this coming season? I know you've done some work on, on that offense. And what, what do you think? What do you think about that group? Uh, I like their tackle. Uh, Bredenson, number 74. He's a big dude, uh, pretty physical up front. Uh, they they're going to have some new faces. Uh, Joe, I don't know if you knew this. Uh, Michigan actually has John Runyon's son. Oh, really? On the roster? Yeah. So <laughs> he's oh. probably probably going to get a, get some play at right tackle. Um, the the inside, I think, is what you've seen from the last couple years at Michigan. Uh, the tackles are a little bit of an unknown because neither one of those guys has been regular players. Uh, I. Th- think they'll be just fine as far as you know setting the tone up front it's you know it's all that whole offense is going to come down to can they get guys out of the box and pass the football I think Shea Patterson's going to have success there with Donovan Peoples-Jones and Tariq Black coming back from injury uh he's going to have dynamic big guys on the outside and Shea Patterson's kind of that freelance style player that I think you're going to see a lot more explosive plays. You're going to see more extended plays and uh, that should help Michigan even more so than the personnel up front, be able to run the football football with some authority. So this, there's no excuses this year for this Michigan offense. They've got a, a, you sounds like a a decent offensive line, a, a really nice running back. They've got receivers and they've got Shea Patterson. They've got Jim Harbaugh as their coach or John Harbaugh. This, the excuses are over. For this offense, in my opinion, it's it's time to deliver. Yeah, it's put up or shut up time. There's no question. It's like if if, he, if Harbaugh doesn't get it done this year with this group offensively and really turn the ship around, uh, we're gonna start asking some questions about Coach Harbaugh at Michigan. <laughs> what did you, did you see that quote? What was it about? He didn't want oh, the, uh, to eat chicken because it's a it's a nervous bird, and he didn't want that in his system. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Whatever Wilton Spate was eating was a nervous bird because that dude was gun-shy as hell on film. Uh, my goodness. So uh, I, th- I think Coach Harbaugh had bigger issues to worry about with Wilton Spate than him eating chicken. Yeah. Uh, appar- apparently he's, like, super against eating uh, white meat. Like, if you're going to eat meat, it should be, like, red meat. Okay. <laughs> That's so weird. That's so weird to me. I don't know if Coach Harbaugh could like survive in society without football. <laughs> no, he'll be coach. He'll be coaching football. He's going to be one of those guys that's seventy. He's going to what like um like Monty Kiffin. Just always going to be coaching. He might be a hundred. Oh yeah, you he's know, he's Dick a LeBeau. lifer. Dick LeBeau, always going to be coaching football. How about uh, Paul Pascaloni? Yeah. You know that that dude. I think he's on an NFL coaching staff as a defensive coordinator this year. That dude's bounced around for decades. Um, my producer says that, yes, Paul Pascaloni is currently the defensive coordinator of the Detroit Lions. There you go. And um, the man was born in 1949, 68 years old. There you go. And there you go. Listeners of this show, as we put a bow on this hump day episode of the Draft Dudes, we hope you guys enjoyed listening to our show today as we brought you Scout versus Scout, uh, continued our summer fling series, and broke down some of the pressing breaking news, including the Mets shellacking at the hands of the Nationals uh, on Tuesday night. Make sure you check back in with us tomorrow uh, when we break down, hopefully, another massive loss for the Mets so we can get Joe's thoughts on that. Uh, 
if you want to let us know which side of the fence you stand on for a scout versus scout, Joe was a proponent of inside pass rush. I was a proponent of outside pass rush. Let us know. You can reach us on Twitter. Joe, maybe should we put a poll out? Uh, or do you, do you think you'll take an L on that one? I think I will take an L. But put it out. See what happens. We'll put it on the, uh, the Draft Network account. Yeah. Sounds good. And, and get as, as big of a spread as we possibly can. Uh, you can follow Joe on Twitter. He's at the Joe Marino. You can follow yours truly on Twitter. I am at NDT Scouting. And you can actually follow the Draft Network on Twitter at Draft Network LLC. Uh, we're now five days from launch. Uh, we've started plugging in our summer reports and populating those pages. It's, it's looking beautiful. You guys are going to love what you see. So make sure on Monday the 6th you swing by thedraftnetwork.com. You follow Draft Network LLC, all the latest updates, and you follow both of us on Twitter. Hit that subscribe button on this podcast as well. Uh, We are coming up on some football. Tomorrow night is football. Thank goodness we've made it. We're going to carry through the season just like always. Thanks for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast. I think we're right at 30 minutes. Yeah, I have it right. Yeah, right 30 and some change. Amazon has everything for back to school. Zebra lunchbox? Check. Cool Adidas gear like t-shirts, shoes, and backpacks? Check. Triceratops folders and pencils? Check. Lasercat t-shirts? Check. Get your back to school shopping done now at Amazon.com slash back to school and enjoy free shipping on millions of items. No need to leave your home or hassle with crowds. Amazon.com. No better place to get everything back to school from A to Z. Amazon has everything for back to school. Zebra lunchbox? Check. Cool Adidas gear like t-shirts, shoes, and backpacks? Check. Triceratops folders and pencils? Check. Lasercat t-shirts? Check. Get your back-to-school shopping done now at Amazon.com slash back-to-school and enjoy free shipping on millions of items. No need to leave your home or hassle with crowds. Amazon.com. No better place to get everything back to school from A to Z. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.